Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. You know, I really try to provide you with some topics that are for you. And I know that sometimes it's hard to get out of the loop of thinking about how to help your child with anxiety or OCD and focus that attention on you. And I hope that sometimes if you are a frequent listener of my podcast, that this kind of helps you shift your perspective sometimes and, and refocus on what do you need? What will be helpful for you? Because you know, that old cheesy saying, you have to put on your own oxygen mask before you put it on your kids is legitimate. If you are running on fumes and you are exhausted and you are overwhelmed, there's just no way you're going to be able to help your kids in the way that you want to show up. And that is why I've invited my friend and longtime colleague, Dr. Andrea Duran to the show because she is, I have go-to experts for all various topics and she is my go-to expert for a couple of different things, but one of them is chronic pain. And it is so far out of my wheelhouse, I didn't think it even involved me (laughs) until I realized as I was diving through her own resources that I struggle greatly with chronic pain. And the way I was approaching my chronic pain was not helpful at all. (laughs) So we will dive into that in a second, and I hope that you find it helpful. And listen to it even if you think, I don't think I have chronic pain. Like I have some pain, but I don't think it's chronic. It is helpful to listen to because I didn't think I was in that category either until I realized that I am very much in that category. And when when we get exhausted by our own chronic pain or we're not we're not having a good relationship with our pain, we definitely don't show up well for our kids and then sprinkle in a little anxiety and OCD in that mix, and that is trouble. So Andrea will talk to us about what chronic pain is and and how to approach it. And I kind of go through my experience of going through her resources and the ahas that I had around my own pain. I kind of talk about some of my chronic pain that's going on as well, because I'm sure you want to know about that. (laughs) She said with her tongue and cheek, (laughs) tongue and cheek. Okay, whatever. I do want to let you know before we dive into this, that this podcast episode is sponsored by NoCD. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. The cool thing is they are available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. And so you can schedule actually a free 15-minute consultation to just see if NoCD is a right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. I will leave links in the show notes. So let me just tell you a little bit about Andrea before we dive into our conversation. She is a private mental health practitioner and owner, a clinician that specializes in treating trauma, grief, addiction, and chronic health issues. I told you she's got a couple of things that I've gone to her for. Her knowledge on grief is actually really helpful too. As a friend and a colleague, she is a woman with many hats. She has her own kids and family, but she's also a university professor in the behavioral health sciences. She's completed two years of a doctoral research on the efficacies of chronic pain, mental health treatment in reducing pain. 
She's spoken at conferences on chronic pain and mental health, including the National Association of Social Workers Annual Conference. She's actually trained many medical doctors and mental health professionals on her chronic pain protocol, which is now being used at primary care clinics across the U.S. So she is quite the woman and full of knowledge, and I'm sure you're going to really enjoy my conversation with her. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Andrea. Well, I want to welcome Andrea to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Natasha. I appreciate it. Yeah, I've been talking to my audience a lot periodically about self-care. And that's kind of one of my things is how to take care of ourselves. And a lot of times we're so fixated on helping our kids with anxiety or OCD that, that we put ourselves last. You are kind of my go-to doctor on chronic pain when it comes to mental health, um, it's like completely out of my wheelhouse. So whenever I have a question around that, I'm going to you. And so I thought it'd be great to have you come on and talk to parents about chronic health. Fantastic. It's really such an important topic because you're right as, as a mom myself and, and a business owner, we tend to put ourselves last and chronic health conditions can often be invisible and we often suffer in silence and don't take care of ourselves the way that we need to when it comes to managing those conditions. Yeah. And I, you know, I think some people don't realize what chronic pain would even be categorized as. So I wonder if we can start with that because I know, you know, you and I have been colleagues and friends for a really long time. And whenever you talked about your work, I never put myself in your category. I was just like, oh, it's really interesting to hear like how your work is so different than mine. <laughs> and then yes. I realized yeah. as you were creating like these online courses and doing stuff, I was like, wait a minute, like I'm her audience. Like I have chronic pain. I would not have, it's weird. Like there's labels that I don't see myself. Like I don't see myself as a single mom. And then when someone, someone, someone right. refers to me as a single mom, I'm like, what? And then I'm like, oh my gosh. I guess I am now. And I didn't see myself as a chronic pain sufferer, but I completely am. So I wonder if you can start with just explaining like what would fall under the category of chronic pain? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So from a medical terminology perspective, chronic pain is any pain that lasts longer than 30 days. And so anything under 30 days, like a typical procedure or, you know, just pain after a procedure or a, or a minor injury, that's just acute pain that's going to slowly go away. But when you're experiencing chronic pain for our pain for longer than that, then it, it falls into the category of chronic pain. And unfortunately, a lot, some injuries or procedures can fall into that category, depending on what it is, or if you're going to need, you know, long-term treatment for that. As far as conditions that also have chronic pain, I mean, there's hundreds, maybe thousands. Yeah. And, and some people may not even realize that they're dealing with pain. You could have arthritis or you can have back pain. And for me, even, you know, stomach issues that have been untreated or undiagnosed, dealing with that kind of chronic pain too, you know, nerve pain, fibromyalgia, there's just so many things that are, that, are, that can be chronic in your life. Yeah, 100%. Yes. And it's, it's uncomfortable. It's hard to manage. And, and sometimes it can be really hard to diagnose. That's uh, what a lot of people experience uh, would experience too. And, and, you know, you'll have doctors that can't figure it out or just send them to specialist after specialist. And, you know, oftentimes at some point are told, 
oh, well, you know, are you, are you having any depression or anxiety and, and kind of chalk it up to that? Yeah. Which can be really dismissive and frustrating. And even our kids can struggle with stuff, stuff like this as well. And a lot of times parents will be like, I don't have time for this. So the minute they get the runaround from doctors, and that's totally my story. Like I got the runaround from doctors. Um, I got, well, I have two different things going on, but we won't make this all about me, <laughs> but both issues, degenerative issues around my joints and my discs Mm -hmm. and having stomach issues after my gallbladder removal, both those created ongoing chronic pain in my life for, I mean, my back has been for the last 30 years, like since I was like 20 something. Right. And gallbladder since my son was born, that's 13 years ago. And I went to one doctor who made me feel small and was like, you have IBS. This isn't related to anything. There's nothing you can do. Just watch your diet. And that was enough that I've suffered for 12 more years um, until we were just talking about, I actually found a doctor who gave me medication that's working for the past two days. Yay! I, I know I'm so excited, but I wonder if we can talk about the consequences of walking around with that much chronic pain. Some of us, and I know you're like this too, are kind of like the suck it up I got other things to do. My kids are important. I got other, like we're putting our priorities are everybody else. I have to take care of everyone else. And I I think it's good for parents to hear what the implications are for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, now we're getting into really discussing the mind body connection. We do not, I think that society is starting to shift and connect those things a little bit more as we talk more about wellness and, and, and healthcare integration. And you see primary care doctor's offices, you know, having mental health professionals sometimes on site. And we're really starting to connect that more in the medical community. And, and, and then society is seeing that as well, but it is absolutely vital to focus on that piece when it comes to chronic pain and, and, and really in a lot of areas, but specifically with chronic pain, we are sure, you know, as, if we're talking about being a, uh, you know, a mom with kids and, and, you know, working or at home, whatever, we have different priorities. And when we don't focus on our health and do things to do the things to better ourselves, because a lot of times with chronic pain, it's not always the easy fix. It's not always the medication or the procedure. Um, a lot of that stuff just gets you part of the way, but you're still suffering a lot of times the long-term solution is the things like diet, you know, certain diets, certain exercises, really focusing on your mental health, because there are so many aspects of mental health that increase your chronic pain. Mental health might not have created the chronic pain in the first place, of course. However, it certainly will increase it if you are depressed or anxious or stressed or angry or any of those things. But that takes more time and energy to focus on. And, um, and we don't always have that time and energy. So but what, what happens is over time, it makes our pain worse. And we just think, okay, well, this pill or this procedure just didn't work very well. And, and I just need to continue down that path. And maybe so, maybe there's a piece that you do need to continue to advocate for yourself and continue but the part that's not changing in a lot of people with chronic pain is really changing that mindset about it and learning to live with it and taking care of their mental health and their body along with it, because it is connected. Well, and one thing, there was a couple of like major ahas that I got when I took your course, which initially I was just taking your course to see how it is or whatever, you know, it's 
And then I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like something I need. And then I started to realize I'm really learning some things here, which no offense. <laughs> I was like surprised because, you know, you're taking another therapist course. You're like, you know, what am I going to learn? Which is so like you know, conceited, but there, there were quite a few moments during that course where I'm like, wait, what? One of them, we'll get into the whole mind body connection. That was, there was some big ahas in that, but one of them was one of the first ones was that depression, stress, and grief are the same areas of the brain that cause chronic pain or like your receptors of pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And whenever we are feeling chronic pain, our body releases certain chemicals in our brain that help us feel a little bit better. And that's exactly the same thing that happens when we're feeling stressed or sad or depressed. And, and so when those things are all happening at once, that's a, that's a pretty big stressor on our body. And then when we go into the areas of maybe the prefrontal cortex that focus on executive functioning and logic and reasoning and all of those things, pain lives and our perception of pain lives in those areas as well. And so we have to, when treating pain, it can't just be focusing on the physical piece of pain itself, on that biological piece. We have to focus on the behaviors and the mental health aspect of it, or else we're just missing at least 50% of the puzzle. Yeah. And I think when we're stressed in general, and life can be stressful, raising a child with anxiety or CD can be super stressful. We feel pain more, which I find really interesting that mm-hmm. depending on our stress level are, and that kind of explains our kids too. When, you know, I was thinking about that too, like why our kids ha- are so much more sensitive to pain. You know, they are, a lot of them are depressed or anxious or overwhelmed or stressed. And so everything's heightened in that, that area of the brain, which makes sense that those receptors and feeling pain is just more on their radar. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, think about if you're maybe rushed and feeling stressed and you stub your toe in the middle of it, right? You just, in moments like that, you just, we just tend to lose it. Right. And it's just a stub toe. It's, you know, if that would have happened in a, on a, in kind of a typical moment where you were just relaxing at home, ouch, no big deal, right? But if you're in the middle of, you're walking out the door and you got two kids, you're cart to school and, you, and you're stressed out and you stub your toe, you are upset in that moment, really upset. And so that's a really good example of just the fact that there is an underlying issue there, right? We stubbed our toe, that hurts, that doesn't feel good. And we're, our body is going to react negatively to that. That's how our bodies are built, right? We feel pain, we respond to pain. However, to the extent of how we react depends on where we are at in our mental health in that moment. Yeah, it's just, that's fascinating to me. The other thing is like, not only that mind-body connection, but I had this attitude of, and this happens to me in all areas where I think I'm something that I'm not, or I'm not something that I think I am. (laughs) My like perception and radar is a bit off, but I was like, I have a healthy relationship to my pain. You know, like I don't need mindset. I don't need mind body. Like I never even read anything around that because I'm just like, I need to find a doctor who can fix this. And for the last three or four months, I was on this mission to find, to like just fix all these problems because we're traveling a lot now and I'm getting older. And like, I feel like I'm walking around with one kidney because- you know, I don't have another parent. And so I'm like, I have to be in like top health and I have to do a lot more physical things around the house. And I'm going through your course and I realize as you're saying certain things and then I'm taking a break or, you know, I come back to it the next day and I'm listening to how I'm talking about my pain, that 
all of the things I'm telling myself are completely unhelpful. Right. Right. It's unhelpful self-talk. And, and it's, you know, going back to your perception and of things and our reality of things. I mean, first of all, that's just being human, right? <laughs> and Natasha, you've just done, you know, it's been such a pleasure knowing you for many years, but especially these last couple of years, because to, to see how hard you've continued to work on yourself while grieving has just been this tremendous experience to take a back seat to this because you're just, you're such an amazing person. And, and so the fact that you haven't been focusing on your chronic pain in this way, it's not surprising. You've been working on so many other amazing things within yourself, but that's another example of us, of not just our perception as human beings, but in society, when we think of pain, we think of it as a medical issue only, not a mental health concern. Also, I think there's a level to that of we don't even want to think of it as a mental health concern because so many of us who have suffered from chronic pain, like we mentioned earlier, have been dismissed. They haven't figured out the solution. And so to even think about it of of that, hey, I can help this from a mental health perspective, almost feels like we're invalidating ourselves. Yeah. And we don't even want to connect the dots in that in that area. And so I think there's a couple of different uh, of different pieces to that. But further, you know, going through with what you mentioned about this unhelpful self-talk, you know, a lot of us who have been through, uh, you know, counseling or, or therapy, we know that having automatic negative thoughts is something that we need to change, right? Some of those negative core beliefs of, you know, I'm not good enough or, I'm not worthy or I'm not in control. It is, uh, that's something that we know we need to change. But then when we think about chronic pain, often the thoughts are, you know, my body's just broken, right? Or this is never going to end. This is going to be like this for the rest of my life. Or I, there's no way I'm going to ever be able to do A, B, and C again, or I can't live the life that I want to, or I can't, you know, hang out with my friends in the way that I want to because of my pain. And there might be a a, a sliver of a a piece of truth to that in the sense that there are absolutely conditions that we all face with chronic pain that are never going to go away. But that does not mean that it has to be as limiting as as we create in our heads. Yeah, with any other subject, we would realize that that's unhelpful, negative self-talk. But with pain, it's it's a maladaptive coping mechanism to say that, it's in all or nothing thinking, right? With you and I, we call that cognitive distortions in the, in the mental health field. And it's no different with a medical issue like chronic pain. Yeah. And I think that resistance is, you know, often, like you said, because you feel like you've been invalidated by doctors anyway. And so it's this slippery slope of, I don't want to blame myself or feel like I, there's something I can do. And yet, as I was going through your course, it was like those thoughts which we talk about a lot on this podcast when we're talking about dealing with our kids with anxiety or OCD. You know, we talk about not catastrophizing, not living in the what ifs, but living in the now. Like we talk about all that. But even though I teach that, very hard for me to transition and do that in the pain area. And I'll give the audience just some concrete examples using myself of like the thoughts that were not helpful. You know, I would, especially with gastrointestinal issues for me, like my, I mean, the spine is something separate, but when you're having constant chronic, you know, stomach issues, the minute it would happen, my thought would be, 
I'm never going to be able to travel or I'm supposed to be traveling. I'm supposed to be on a 12 hour flight next month. How am I going to do this? So I'm like, I'm in the middle of like an episode where I'm feeling pain and normally lasts, you know, 60 minutes, you know, I have to go to the bathroom a couple of times, you know, and then it's gone, but I catastrophize it every time, you know, like, oh my gosh, this is, it's almost like it's a trauma every single time I feel it because it's, it's like an indication that I'm not cured yet, which is a completely wrong mentality uh, because actually in that moment, my pain feels so much worse because I'm feeling not only the current pain, but the pain of being on a 12 hour flight, the pain of not being able to travel, the pain of this taking over my life. And so I'm like adding to it. 100%. I think that's such a good example and such a good realization of what this is, because if we were able to shift our thinking, which of course we're talking about, that's easier said than done here. That takes time and intention to do to really retrain our brain, which is a big piece of, of the class, it, retraining the brain. That's actually a, a section of it. And But we, if we were able to retrain our brain to say, okay, in, in that moment when we're having an episode of, well, I know that this is going to probably just last about an hour. I'm going to get through it. And these are the things that typically help me feel better in this moment. And I'm going to, I'm going to process this. And then I know I'm going to be able to go out my day later. What if we thought that way, instead of catastrophizing and starting to worry about a, a, a trip that hasn't even happened yet, because that's what anxiety is a lot of the time, right? Worrying about something that hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. And, um, and then our, our experience with those moments of severe pain and those episodes of severe pain, they shift, they change. And a lot of times our pain in that moment or those episodes decrease significantly because we're not adding on to it. So maybe in those situations, it's more like 30 minutes, not 60 minutes. And we're not triggered for the rest of the day, because that's the other piece of this. You might just feel that severe pain for 60 minutes, but because of all that catastrophizing and and elevated um, levels where, you know, releasing cortisol in your brain and, and all to help calm yourself down, that plays an impact for the rest of the day and the day after, and sometimes the week after. Yeah, it does. There was something else that you talked about in your class that I thought was really helpful. It's like, and I was, I com- was completely doing this. It's like living, living my life through the perspective of how I should be doing things versus what my body actually can do. And one of those is whenever I have to do decorations, you know, like I love celebrating big and I like holiday decorations. And I have found over the last few years that when Christmas comes around or Halloween, cause I even celebrate Halloween pretty big that I get, I get fatigued just thinking about it. And part of it is I'm getting out these huge bins and it's going to take me all day. And normally halfway through, I just can't, my back just can't do anymore. I can't stand up and be physical for so long. And then it depresses me because I think what kind of person at my age can't even like decorate their house? Like this is a normal thing or standing in line at Disneyland, you know, and having my back hurt after the end of the day, it's like, why can't I do this? And so that shift in perspective, like you had mentioned something in your class that really resonated with me on this topic was like maybe planning on doing maybe a quarter of it, you know, for, for, you know, four or five mornings and then not setting myself up for failure, knowing that my body just physically can't handle that at this time. Absolutely. Absolutely. In, in the, in the class, we use that term as 
the cycle of under and over activity. And we we often, often do that in chronic pain where we'll, we'll say, hey, it's December 1st and Christmas is coming up or, you know, Thanksgiving weekend. And actually, I'm having a good pain day today. I don't, I, I feel decent. I'm going to use this to get my entire house decorated in one day for Christmas, <laughs> which is completely unrealistic, right? Is if you're, if, if you tend to be a little Christmas crazy like myself and, and you, where we really like to decorate and go big in these things. And then we pay for it for three days afterwards, and then we're not doing anything at all. So we're either being overactive or underactive. And then from a mindset perspective, we are saying, well, you know what? I don't even know if I'm going to decorate for Christmas at all this year, or Halloween and or whatever holiday it is. What we're really saying is we're just not going to do the things that bring us joy. And that is giving our pain a ton of power over ourselves. It's time we put help directly in our kids' hands. Introducing Crushing OCD Course for Kids and Teens. It was way more helpful than all the other therapy we've ever done because we didn't really know what to do. So we weren't really doing it before. So the course helped to figure out what the exposures are and how to do them. We're not in therapy and find it really hard um, to find an ERP trained therapist here. Um, so we're currently with like the public health service, but again, they don't seem to be trained in ERP. It's filled that gap that we don't have that was desperately needed. This was really well timed for us to use between therapists and to help us like start get off to a good start with this new practice. It was easy to use. Um, I was able to do it from my phone or also on the computer. There's different ages, you know, so there were younger kids, there were teenagers. And um, so that was really nice too, to have a variety of ages where it wasn't just geared towards younger kids or older kids. It was a nice variety. It's helpful for our kids to hear it from this like third party as opposed to just us saying it. I really like the offense and defense method. I love working on poking at OCD while it's sleeping. It makes it a little bit easier to do and it's kind of fun. <laughs> I'm planning on using it to work on my uh, fear of like holding or touching batteries and stuff like that. So it was really helpful and I think a lot of other kids would like it. I thought that I was like the only one who had worrying about the weather and stuff. And then there was somebody else on there who worried about the same thing, which was really helpful. Seems less scary to work on stuff now that I've watched this class and I'm more interested to work on it. I like trying to do more exposures still and going to, before I wasn't, I just didn't want to do them. I've worked on some of my bigger compulsions and been successful. I realized it was helpful to do like the exposures before it was like really, really hard. It's still hard, but it's helpful to know that I need to do them. Before there would be a lot of battles about it. So it is definitely less loggerheads. Really, really good course and super helpful. Definitely would recommend this. It's really easy to follow. It's in nice bite-sized videos. I really like the worksheets that go along with it, and I think it's really helpful. To learn more about this course and register your child or teen, go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. Yeah, and I think it is that, that a lot of us just wind up avoiding, avoiding any activity that we think is going to trigger our pain. I think last year, I didn't really decorate too much. You know, that was upsetting for my kids. I mean, when I say I didn't decorate, it means like, 
it looked like Santa like vomited all over my dining room. Uh, I saw your house. You still decorated. Yeah. Yeah. I was low key. You know, like upstairs wasn't decorated. You know? No, no. And, and it doesn't even matter how much it was or wasn't. The point is how it made you feel. Mm-hmm. Because how we feel impacts our, our, our mental health in so many ways. For my personal experience, my physical activity and the changes in that now were such a significant range of difference. And that I grew up playing soccer from the age of five to 25 years old. And I played in college. And so I was at this really highly, you know, competitive level, really, really active. And so when my pain got severe to the point where not only could I not do something extreme as play a, a soccer game, which a lot of folks in middle age, you know, can't do those things, but I wasn't even feeling like I could go to the gym and work out for 30. That was such a big, a big, significant difference. But really, one of my biggest issues was, okay, then when I was feeling good, I would go to the gym and I would work out, but I was doing some of the same workouts that I was doing when I'm playing competitive soccer, which is just way too extreme. And then I would re-injure myself over and over yeah. again. But to so to change the perception of, hey, I'm probably not going to be, it's probably not ideal for me to go and play soccer games anymore now at this point in my life, but I still can absolutely be active and do the fun things that I enjoy. I can still go and play basketball with my son for 20 minutes in the, in the driveway. I can still go on a hike when the weather is nice. Maybe I'm not doing it for three hours. Maybe I'm doing it for an hour, but I'm still doing that thing. It doesn't have to have that much power over me. And some, some people might be saying out there, there's no way that I can do any of those things. But then talking about the cycle of over and under activity, that's a piece that we can change too. Like you said, doing baby steps, because we tend to have really high expectations of ourselves when we're having a good pain day. And then we're really just hurting ourselves when we're being overly active. Yeah. And it's those extremes. And it's that, that relationship that you have with pain and, and I'm totally like that. That's my personality. Like you know, I was doing yin yoga and I was going to like a yin yoga, like studio for a period of time. And like, I could barely walk. And I remember telling the instructor, like one of the days, because I was going for like three months solid. And I remember telling her like, oh, like I am so sore the next day. Like I barely can walk. And I remember her giving me a look like, that's not good. You know, (laughs) you know, it's like this competitive thing where I was just like, well, they say exercise is good. And so I need to like power through it. And like, I wouldn't be able to sit Indian, like I, I don't know what they call it now. Crisscross applesauce. Yeah, crisscross applesauce. Yes. That's yeah. I wouldn't be able to sit like that for like six months because my hip area was so extended and it hurt so bad. It still hurts actually to this day. And then so like, recognizing that's just not what this body needs right now, you know? And so, I mean, there's probably calmer, quieter yin yoga, but I found somebody else on YouTube who's actually like, this menopausal woman who's always like, less is more. And if this is hurting you tomorrow, then you did too much. And she's just so like, great for my mindset that I am able to do her every single day for 20 minutes because she's gentle and she's kind. And she like reminds you that if this is hurting, put down the weights or if this is the stretch is too big. Right. And and they, and in classes like that, because my, my Pilates class that I found that's really effective for me, it says the same thing a good instructor for folks who experience chronic pain will tell you, listen to your body, listen to your body that remind you, you know, during the, during the workout session, you know, just listen to your body. If something hurts, stop, don't push yourself. But 
that's not what we are really trained to do as a society, especially if you're somebody who grew up playing sports like I did and, and team sports, it's you push through the pain, right? Just, just mm-hmm. push through it, just push through it. And sometimes we do need to pull it up by the bootstraps and put our big girl pants on, right? And, and push through certain things. But when we do that from a mental health perspective, then we just avoid like a lot of us are doing with our chronic pain. Yeah. And um, p- pulling it up by the bootstraps is helpful maybe in the moment in certain situations where we absolutely have to, but long-term that turns into avoidance and really not managing the actual problem. That's really harmful for our body. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just tuning into your body is so important. The other thing that your course helped me with, and we can move into you maybe sharing a little bit about what your course entails, but um, just even skills in the moment, you know, especially having like gastrointestinal issues. This is more for me around those episodes where they were like intense and chronic and, you know, sweat worthy, you know, like moments where you're like, like if I was in a meeting or if I was like doing something with someone else, like I would really have to put on this fake smile while I'm like, just trying to catch my breath because it hurts so bad or trying to prevent myself from having to go to the bathroom until the meeting is over. So some of your, the skills you, you give a lot of hands-on skills of how to work through that pain. And I found that to be really helpful too, because I wasn't doing any of that which is so stupid. You'd think that like, I would get like, maybe I should do some of these things that are helpful for anxiety, but I was, I was not, what I was doing was thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm having this pain. This is so ridiculous. How come no doctor can like fix this? You can't live like this. You know, all the mindset stuff that we just talked about. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All of that catastrophizing and, and, and all or nothing thinking. Right. And with that, the class is a good mix of education preventative solutions, long-term solutions, and in-the-moment solutions. So it, it gives you a little bit of everything because everyone who takes this class is going to be in a little bit of a different place. Uh, chronic pain has a, a, a wide range of severities, has a wide range of needs, and it really speaks to that. And so you're going to have the person who functioning wise is really limited in their mobility or, or, or even just limited in their understanding of, of mental health and, and, and where to start at. So I think this class meets everybody's needs in that area because it's self-paced and has activities that you can go. It's really something that you can go back to depending on where you're at. If you're just like, you know, what, I just need to understand the education of some of these things. I need to understand how pain works in the body. And, um, and I need to understand that piece and how I can shift my thinking. Well, you can start, you can start there. But if you're really in a place where you're like, I am ready to really actively and intentionally put this effort into retraining my brain and, and changing my perspective on things and working with through that every day, there's options for that too. Or if it's just, I don't have the time and energy right now that I want to put into managing these things every day, then there's a lot of skills in there for just managing those intense pain episodes in the moment. Now, for optimal wellness, you want to focus on all of those things. If you really want to put yourself in a in an excellent place um, from a chronic pain perspective, but the class is going to give you all three of those categories. So it starts off with quite a bit of education about those things, things that influence pain, because there's a lot more factors that influence pain than 
just the physical piece like we've started to talk about. It talks about different uh, approaches to pain and different interventions for chronic pain. And then we go into some more of the long-term solutions, day-to-day ways to manage pain, skills for that. And then of course, managing those intense pain episodes. And there's even a, a large section at the end on um, setting boundaries with others regarding your pain and having creating a narrative when talking to others, because there's a huge piece of this, like I mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast of suffering in silence. Pain is in society can be known as weak. So even expressing that you have pain can feel like weakness or or even if it doesn't feel like weakness to to the people that you're associating with, you don't know how to explain it because people around you don't understand. And there, so there's a big piece of this that we just keep inside or don't want to talk to people about. So we maybe make excuses for not doing things rather than just saying, this is not, this doesn't make sense for my pain. And maybe let's do a different activity or, um, hey, I, I can't do that thing today or that doing that activity doesn't make sense for me today. We don't want to talk to people about that. So there is a, um, a, a big section in there about socialization and, and how to interact with people when you have chronic pain and, and live with that. Yeah, a lot of different angles and a lot of different perspectives. I actually found the education piece, like the beginning part of your course, it sold me on why I should listen to the rest of it because I just, I was in that boat to be totally honest. That was like, I just need a medical solution for this and, and then I'll be fine. And I've realized pursuing both issues, although I do have this new medication for my stomach, which I'm very excited about, but you know, my back, they, you know, they, they were like, yeah, there's degeneration, there's degeneration on your spine, there's degeneration on your, in your shoulders and on your knees. And basically you just need to do physical therapy and you just need to exercise. And Mm -hmm. I was one of those avoiders. Like I didn't do any motions because it would flare up all my issues. And so it seemed like a terrible idea. I was like waiting for them to just say, we can do surgery and then you're going to be fine. And having that realization that this, this pain is something I'm going to have to dance with on some level that there's no an easy fix. So when you were going into the science behind pain and the connection between thoughts and depression and stress and grief and the pain cycle, I was like, oh my gosh, I probably could do some things mentally to make this better. So, um, I do like that the course was rather quick, um, in the sense that I was able to, I like to knock things out. And so, you know, I committed two evenings to it. And even though you have slides and it's a video, I was able to just put my AirPods on. I, I was doing the laundry and the dishes and listening to you. And then you'd have a graph of something. I'd be like, wait, I can need to go and look at that brain <laughs> or, or you do a relaxation technique. And I'd be like, I need to sit down and just, you know, shut it all down and, and do this with her. And so I found that it was chock full of information, but it was very easy to digest. And a lot of your worksheets were even like PDF fillers where I could fill them out online, which I totally appreciate because I'm not normally one to fill out worksheets to be totally honest, even though I have them in my own classes, right. <laughs> mine are not fillable uh, yeah. because of the inconvenience of having to print it out and stuff. So I found it very easy to use and a good reference, um, even for our own kids. And so I felt like there were things that were happening that I was learning from that course that I can teach, especially my youngest, you know, who has celiac and has chronic stomach issues that haven't been resolved too this isn't just an adult thing. And even if our kids maybe don't 
suffer from any sort of chronic pain, you know, like celiac or, or anything like that, there's going to be times in their life where they, where they do and they struggle with, you know, at some point, somebody's going to break something or have an injury, right? And it's about, it's not about not acknowledging that pain. It's about living a living life along with it and not letting it have that power over us. And you and I have, have talked before about how there is a piece of chronic pain that has to, that aligns with the grief process. And we all know that with grief, the, the key, one of the goals is to ultimately come to a place of acceptance with it. We're not going to never not miss that loved one or miss that thing that we, that thing or situation that we, that we lost, but to come to a place of this happened, I'm going to live my life regardless and not let this thing have power over me and my joy is, is the goal here. And, and that same, that same theology kind of aligns well with, with living with a chronic illness or chronic pain. Yeah. I see that as very similar. So people can check this out at healthandwellnesscourse.com. And you've graciously given AT Parenting Survival listeners 25% off if they enroll in the next 30 days. And so, and and I think that's always helpful to have a little timeline because if you're like me, especially when it comes to chronic pain or things that are for me and not for my kids, I'm going to put it off. And so um, I suggested that Andrea who was so gracious in gifting us that 25% that she limit that time frame because otherwise you're going to sit on it and then you're going to forget and <laughs> yeah. you're going to sit in your pain, which is not good. So I will leave a link in the show notes to go to healthandwellnesscourse.com. The coupon code is AT Parent Podcast. So it's AT Parent Podcast. And just put that in there when you're checking out, put that in the coupon code and you'll get 25% off if you do that in the next 30 days from when this podcast goes live. So Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Natasha. I, I, it was just such a fun experience getting to chat with you in a different capacity and and talk about the things that we're both really passionate about. And I really, I hope that everyone gets a chance to take this class and just educate yourself and and learn some of these skills to to just make life with chronic pain much more manageable. Yeah, it could be a life changer. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Wasn't that eye-opening? I really appreciate having her on because I always learn stuff from her. And I learned a lot about my relationship with pain. And to be completely honest, I didn't think I was going to learn much. I didn't think I had much to learn. I was just there to support her as a friend and a colleague. And what I actually wound up getting from it was a completely different view of my pain. Um, I no longer see my pain as something that I have to cure or that my life isn't going to be better until I find a doctor that will completely eradicate it. I am having a different relationship where I accept that there'll be struggles and that it's not going to define me. And how I work through those struggles is really important. If you want to learn more about Andrea's course and her resources, you can go to healthandwellnesscourse.com, like we said before. Um, And she has been nice to gift us a 25% off discount for our listeners and just put the coupon code ATParentPodcast. And again, don't forget that that will expire. We're just doing that for 30 days because I thought that if you're going to take action, it will either happen in the next 30 days or you won't ever do it. (laughs) So uh, check that out. I hope that you've been enjoying the podcast in general. I've been trying to bring on more people lately 
when my husband passed away, I could not have any guests on for like a whole year. I don't think I talked to a human being except you guys. And things were getting a little bit more, uh, less chaotic, I should say. And so it has been nice to have some, I've had a lot of guests on lately, right? And that's just been a weird fluke too, because I actually don't have a lot of guests normally. So I hope that you've been enjoying that, some different voices on the show. And if you are, don't forget to hit a star on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, wherever you consume your podcasts, and rate the show. That actually does really help, believe it or not. If you have a few extra minutes, don't forget to leave a review. I greatly appreciate that. And to show my gratitude, I always like to end reading one if I see a new one out there. And I do see a new one out there. So I want to thank Sneaking Sally Through the Alley. <laughs> I like that username. And she wrote, the absolute best resource out there. I just listened to the episode with Stephanie Krauss, the author of Whole Life, Whole Child. Natasha's podcast, website, and courses have been the most helpful resource in the world of helping my children with anxiety and OCD. And now I look forward to reading Stephanie's book. It's especially helpful since I live in a community with limited resources for this population. I have a similar background to Natasha and Stephanie as a trained mental health counselor, art therapist, and have always focused my work on children. Now that I find myself raising children with anxiety and OCD, I haven't been able to continue working. It's so helpful to hear Natasha and Stephanie's professional experiences, as well as their personal experiences being mothers to children that struggle as well. Thank you so much to you both for what you do to help this community out. I hope someday that I will also feel able to give back to the community in a professional manner as well. And I'm sure that you will, Sneaky and Sally, <laughs> because when the dust settles, and it can be really rough in the beginning when you're dealing with your own kids with anxiety or OCD, when the dust settles, there I think because we're in the helping profession, there is this, for a lot of us, this natural urge to, to give back, and there's natural urge to share our wisdom. And speaking of that, and I, I feel like I literally, my brain does not know how to do anything but create resources after I've experienced something, <laughs> which is so weird, but true. It's like I'm like the Ed Sheeran of uh, child therapists, although, I mean, Aaron she Ed Sheeran's more talented than me. You know, he just writes his songs after he's had struggles, and I feel like I just create resources after I have struggles. Speaking of which, I will talk about this maybe in the next episode, but my grief book, I wrote a book on grief because that's what I do. And you can check that out. I will do a whole episode on that, I think, and talk about how that came about. But I do have a children's book that was released on May 18th. I didn't talk a lot about it during that time because I record these in advance and I didn't think about it. <laughs> so that was kind of stupid. So it's already released by the time this is coming out. But check it out on Amazon or wherever you buy your books. It's everywhere. Uh, it's called The Grief Rock, An Understanding of Grief and Love, or a book about understanding grief and love. It's a children's book. It is labeled as appropriate for ages four to eight, but it's actually, I think, appropriate for everybody. I think it's a universal, simple book. So you can check that out. I will do a whole episode, I think next week, on where the origins of that and just give you a little bit of backstory about how that all came to be. So I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. If you write a review, I'll be reading your review next time and I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.